Thank you for listening and subscribing to the Anchor Church podcast. It is our desire at the Anchor to provide a place for you to know God, find freedom, discover your God-given purpose, and ultimately make a difference in the world around you. Each week, the Anchor podcast features Sunday sermon. You can follow along in this podcast episode and read the sermon notes on our website by visiting theanchor.me. Now, let's get into the Word. What we're going to do today is we're going to continue our, our current series that we've been in for the past few weeks called Decisions. And if you haven't been here, basically through this series, what we're doing is we're focusing on seven biblical principles that, uh, when applied, will help us experience the abundant life that Jesus promised us in John chapter 10. So with that in mind, that for the past five weeks, the five decisions or five biblical principles we've talked about are the following. We said this, that we will take responsibility, that we will seek wisdom, that we will be a person of action, that we will have a decided heart, and lastly, that we will choose to be grateful. And so uh, if you've missed any of those, we encourage you to check out our podcast because today we're going to be turning our attention to our sixth decision. So as we dive in, I want to I maybe set this just so we can kind of set our heart in the right place. Um, I want you to know out of all the biblical principles that we'll be discussing through this series, I believe this one deals with the condition of our heart more than the rest. And so even though I realize today what we're going to talk about, more than likely you've heard a a sermon or two about this in the past, I just want to encourage you to maybe kind of put that to the side and lean in because I believe Jesus really wants to talk to some people. So if you're with me and you could do that, say, oh yeah. Awesome. Let's start off today by reading out of the book of Jonah, chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. It says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, saying, Go to Nineveh, that great city, and proclaim judgment against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. So if I can pause there for a moment, just for the sake of context, so you know who we're dealing with. Uh, The city of Nineveh was the capital of the Assyrian Empire. And history tells us that the Assyrians were equally wicked as they were brilliant. And by brilliant, I mean this. These guys are the ones who invented, you know, a lot of things we use today, like, like plumbing, flushing toilets, praise God for these people, uh, you know, libraries, the postal system, locks and keys, paved roads, that's only to name a few, but, but in their wickedness, they absolutely terrorized other nations. And so when, when I talk about terrorizing other nations, here's what I mean by that. When they would invade an area, they would do horrible things to the people they captured, like they would cut off people's hands, they would cut off people's noses, their fingers, they would poke out their eyeballs. You know, even if you look at ancient writings, there's, there's uh, you know, records of their military leaders writing letters about, you know, cutting off 260 men's heads so they could stack them up like a pyramid. You know, they wrote about filleting people's bodies so they could actually, you know, basically hang their skin on the side of city walls to intimidate other nations. They would crucify people on stakes. They would even enclose people alive into city walls, bases that they would rot to death and they would die there. And so when, when we're talking about people being evil, man, these people were evil. They were inventing ways to be evil, right? And so basically when we're reading the book of Jonah, we see that God had had enough with these people, and so he decided to send Jonah basically to speak on his behalf. The only problem was we find in verse 3 that it says, But Jonah ran away to Tarshish to escape from the presence of the Lord and his duty as his prophet. It says he went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish, the most remote of the trading cities. So he paid the fare and went down into the ship to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. 
When we read that, it's obvious that, that Jonah wasn't in agreement with what the Lord was asking him. In fact, he, wasn't, uh, he was so opposed to it that this guy decided to buy a one-way ticket to a town that was 2,500 miles in the opposite direction. In my mind, it's almost like Jonah was thinking, man, if I can just run away from the presence of the Lord, if I can get away from the presence of the Lord far enough, then maybe the spirit of prophecy won't follow me, and I'll be released from my responsibility to deliver the message he wants me to give to that evil people. But we know the story. Uh, obviously, his plan didn't work because the Bible says in verse 4, it says, but the Lord hurled a great wind toward the sea, and there was a violent tempest or storm on the sea, so that the ship was about to break up. It says, Then the sailors were afraid, and each man cried out to his God, and to lighten the ship and diminish the danger, they threw the ship's cargo into the sea. But Jonah had gone below and was sound asleep, so the captain came up to him and said, How can you stay asleep? Get up, call on your God. Perhaps your God will give a thought to us so that we will not perish." Now, if we continue to read, we find that as they prayed, they decided to cast lots to see who to blame for the situation. When the lot fell on Jonah, he came clean about his disobedience. And and then as a solution, he suggested that they just toss him overboard, right? And so after they debated among themselves a little bit, they picked up Jonah, threw him into the sea. And the Bible says immediately when the boy hit the water, the storm was done. Right? And so if you can just kind of imagine in your in your mind for a moment that 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 here's Jonah treading in water. There's the ship that he just got launched from, right? He's got a beautiful sky above him, and then out of nowhere the Lord sends this great fish to swallow him, right? In three days he sits in the belly of that fish. And it took him three days to finally kind of come to his senses, and he finally decided to pray. But he didn't pray a prayer of repentance as you would expect him to pray. He actually prayed for help. And in God's mercy, God did help him. The, the fish, you know, spit Jonah up on dry land. But when he hit dry land, God began to speak to him again about Nineveh. Right? This time, instead of running, he, he begrudgingly went and he did as the Lord said. He went through the city, basically declaring that they had 40 days to repent of their wickedness or God was going to destroy them. So in response to the message, the 120,000 people who lived there in Nineveh, they repented from the king down. It says they went in the fast and even the animals fasted, forced fast. Okay, But, but the Bible says that when, when God saw that they had turned from their wickedness, that he had compassion on them and decided to forgive them rather than judge them. Now, I don't know about you, but when I get to that part of the story, I would, you would think that Jonah would celebrate. Like if there's ever been a fruitful time of ministry, it would have been right there, right? The man preached, uh, you know, whatever, a couple of days and 120,000 people said yes to God. Right? You'd think you'd rejoice, but that's not what happened. Look at, we're going to fast forward all the way to chapter 4, verses 1 through 4, and this whole reason why we're reading this. It says, but it greatly displeased Jonah. What displeased him? That God forgave them. And it says, and he became angry. It says, he prayed to the Lord and said, oh Lord, is this not what I said when I was still in my country? In other words, is this not the argument I was having with you? That is why... I ran to Tarshish because I knew that you are gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and great in loving kindness. And when sinners turn to you, you revoke the sentence of disaster or the sentence of judgment against them. In other words, I knew that you wouldn't give them what they deserved. Then it says in verse 3, it says, Therefore now, O Lord, just take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to watch what's happening here. It says, Then the Lord said, watch this, 
do you have a good reason to be angry? So he's sitting up there pouting on the hill, fussing and arguing with God, and the only thing God says to him is, do you have a good reason to be angry? If you actually go all the way to the end, we never see, like the Bible doesn't tell us that Jonah ever changed his heart. Kind of leaves him in that spot as this angry guy. Now, in light of that, I want to I just pose a question. Like, how does the story of Jonah relate to you and I today? Okay, because I realize that, you know, stepping out on a limb here, more than likely you and I are never going to be swallowed by a fish for our disobedience to not go preach the gospel to people who poke out eyeballs and chop off fingers, right? But how does it relate to us, okay? I think this, for starters, like Jonah with the Ninevites, we all know what it's like to be at odds with another person. Right? Like, we all know that feeling. Like, like you know, that obviously can happen in a variety of, of ways. Maybe someone did or said something to us. Maybe they lied about us. Maybe they talked behind our backs. Maybe they accused us of being someone we're not. Or maybe we just had a good old-fashioned disagreement, right? But the bottom line is, is we've all ran into conflict somewhere that's left us angry and offended at another person. If you're with me, say, oh, yeah. Second way I think we can relate is like Jonah is we, we may not know, you know, what it's like to be caught in a, in a physical storm, but anytime you get sideways with an individual, anytime you get caught up in an offense or at odds with somebody, at that point we've all experienced internal storms that have robbed us of our peace. You know, as an example, if we could think about like how many nights of our life have we spent, you know, tossing and turning because we can't stop replaying some incident over and over and over again in our minds, thinking about what we should have said, should have done, right, what we'll say or do next time we see that person, right? So the, the next thing I think that we relate to him in is, like Jonah, we probably all have justified our feelings of anger and convinced ourselves in those moments when we're at odds with somebody that, that they don't deserve our forgiveness. Like we probably have all done that at least once in our lives. And the last thing, and this is key because this is what separates you and I from the world, is also like Jonah, we know in our hearts that God is merciful, that God is compassionate, and that He always is willing to give people an opportunity to repent. And because you and I know that's true as believers, what happens is when we get at odds with someone, that's the wrestling that happens inside of us. That's the part of us that's super unsettled because we know we're going against the grain when it comes to God. All right, so with those few things in mind, I'm just kind of curious, man. Am I the only person, just by a show of hands, am I the only person in the room that can relate to those four areas with Jonah? Anybody else other than me? Amen. Most of us. That's good. So, so watch this, because this is really key. Over the years, I've learned that one of the main reasons why you and I are so reluctant to forgive, or should I say as Christians, we're reluctant to forgive, is because like Jonah, more often than not, we are confused about what true forgiveness is. So before we go any further, what I want to do is I want to, I want to just point out several misconceptions concerning forgiveness, and I'll let you decide if you view the, things that way or not. So for starters, forgiveness is not letting the other person off the hook. Like, that's above our pay grade, right? For, forgiveness is not about approving what they did. So many people think, well, if I forgive them, then I'm just not saying it's okay what they did to me. That's not forgiveness. 
Forgiveness is not forgetting or denying what took place or how it even damaged you, okay? Forgiveness is not, you know, waiting until they've earned the right to be forgiven. It's not about waiting until we get revenge. Forgiveness is not about waiting for an apology. It's not even about giving up control. So often I've met people, they say that they can't forgive somebody because they forgive them, that somehow they're giving them control over their lives. That's not forgiveness, Okay, so forgiveness is not about waiting until you can sit down and rehash all the details together. It's not even about reconciling a relationship. You see, I think so often people, people fail to forgive people because they think if they forgive, they've got to be forced into this uh, you know, relationship that is we've got to act like it was before. But the problem with that is, is what happens if what they did was really bad and if there's some unhealthy patterns? Like, I, I think just because we're saved doesn't mean we lose common sense. So there's times that we forgive people, but it doesn't mean we have to get right back in relationship with them so they can hurt us again, right? So, so I personally believe when we, when we as God's people view forgiveness through the lens of those things I just mentioned, it not only causes us to withhold our forgiveness, but it also allows resentment to grow in our hearts. And that's really key. Like That's where I really want to sit today, that it allows resentment to grow in our hearts. You see, this is what the writer of Hebrews was referring to when he wrote this in Hebrews 12. He said, look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Watch this next part. Here's the warning. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. Gang, that's exactly what happens. Anytime we sit and we, we withhold our forgiveness, anytime we get a grudge, we, we stew over things, that's what's happening. It's like putting a seed in the ground, and the fruit that it produces in our life is bitterness. There's something else I want us to see here. Notice it says, watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble who? Come on, talk to me. Trouble who? Trouble you, right? It's talking about us, right? So in my opinion, this is probably the greatest piece of deception surround the subject of forgiveness or unforgiveness. Let's think about it this way. Like how many times has the devil convinced us, whispered in our ear, that if we would just hold on to an offense, if we would just refuse to forgive, that we're somehow punishing the person who hurt us? What's so crazy is like, that's not, that's not just a lie, man. I want you to know today that is a trap from the devil. How do I know that's true? Go back and use Jonah as our example. You know, here he is, his unwillingness to forgive and his unwillingness to forgive, it landed him smack dab in the middle of a belly of a fish. Now, while he's sitting in the belly of that fish, what do you think the Ninevites were doing? I can tell you this, they weren't thinking about Jonah, Right? So here's Jonah. The Bible says actually what it means in the, in the original language. He's burning with anger. He actually describes himself in his prayer in chapter 3 as a man that has seaweed wrapped around his head. So get the picture. He's fuming, seaweeds wrapped around his head. He's holding on to all these negative emotions, thinking all these negative thoughts. And he thinks in the middle of all that that he's somehow punishing and getting even with the Ninevites. And there they are hundreds of miles away going about their life completely unmoved and completely unaware that that dude's even thinking about them. I said this earlier that, you know, back at the top that, you know, think about the last time when we were irritated and so bent out of shape that we couldn't sleep. 
Like, what do you think in the moment we're flip-flopping in our bed, right? Turning and tossing, burning with anger, right? What's the other fella doing? He's sleeping, (laughs) right? Peacefully in their bed. Because why? More than likely, just like the Ninevites, they didn't even have a clue that they offended us. So tell me, okay, with that in mind, like, who's the one being emotionally tormented when we refuse to forgive? It's us. It's not them. Right? And it's crazy, like in an attempt to punish somebody else, I'm going to give you the silent treatment. In an attempt to punish them, we actually end up punishing ourselves. And I want you to know today, Christian, that when you do that, the devil laughs at you. Because he just got one over on you. See, there's this old quote that I'm sure most of us have heard by C.S. Lewis that I think describes what we're talking about perfectly. He said this, he said, Harboring unforgiveness is like drinking poison and hoping the enemy will die. (laughs) Or your enemy. Like, let that sink in. Like, think about that the next time you're ticked off and you're running your mouth and you're stewing and you're holding on the grudge and you're griping about it again. Just think about who's drinking the poison that moment. Who's it killing? You or the other person? Because they're probably at home watching Netflix. Right? All right, let's shift gears here. Let's talk about why we should forgive for a moment. Let me give you three reasons really quick. Number one is because it closes the door to bitterness in our lives. It closes the door to bitterness in our lives. Or if you want to bring it to Hebrews chapter 12, it uproots bitterness from our lives. So with that in mind, I just think, man, if there's one thing that I wish I could, I mean this, if there's something I wish I could get every Christian to see, it would be how much unforgiveness damages their lives. So from experience, I can tell you that when we live life through our hurts and through our anger, it drastically hinders our ability to walk in uh, our identity, our inheritance, the love of God, and the freedom that Jesus died to give us. Right? Like, like we hinder ourselves so greatly from enjoying those amazing things when we hold on to stuff. And for that reason, I think we need to remember what Paul said in Galatians chapter 5. He says it was for freedom. Somebody say freedom. It was for freedom that Christ has set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. Like, what is bitterness? It's just another word for yoke of slavery. Because why? I'm being out of shape and they're doing their thing. Well, who do you think is enslaved to who at that moment? They become my master in that moment, and I become their slave because I'm so disgruntled and hurt, right? And so how do we stop, you know, being subject again and again and again to this yoke of slavery? I I think the answer is simply this, and I say simple, it's not simple, but it's this. It's that the quicker you and I can start admitting to ourselves that our resentment is causing damage in our lives, and the quicker we realize that forgiveness is the road to freedom... I believe the faster we'll choose to close the door to bitterness. How do we do that? We do it by letting things go, right? The second reason uh, I think that we should forgive is because of this. is number two is it stops the snowball effect in our lives. It stops the snowball effect in our lives. Here's what I mean by that. Is hurt that goes unhealed, we know this from experience, will inevitably roll into resentment. And living a life of resentment, basically, that, 
that is that, that's stuck on that, man, will at some point begin to change who you are. Like, first it changes your outlook on life, then it begins to change your attitude, then it changes your actions, and ultimately it changes your heart. And here's where you really know you're in danger, because it begins to change you so much that sooner than later, it becomes easier and easier and easier and easier for you to get offended. You ever met that person? Me too. I think when we reach that point, we start doing exactly what another author said, He said this, he said, if you never heal from what hurt you, you will bleed on people that didn't cut you. That's the snowball effect, because why? We've all heard it this way, I'll put it in a different way, is that hurt people hurt people. Snowball effect, right? And so let's remember the warning again from Hebrews 12. Watch this, watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting who? Corrupting who? Many, corrupting many. Who's the many? It's your spouse, it's your children, it's your parents, it's your friends, it's your coworkers. It's anybody you're rubbing elbows with. I'm telling you, if you're bitter, they will get caught in the wake, right? And so, so when things are, are left unresolved, sooner than later, that bitterness will begin to affect them and, uh, and it'll affect them not in a positive way, it'll affect them in a negative way. So I just think this, man, if you and I, are, or if we're serious about becoming the loving people that Jesus has called us to be, then we need to choose to forgive, and not just forgive, but learn how to do it quickly. Because we do realize this is more than a one-time deal, right? Yeah. Here's the third reason we should forgive, and I, and I think probably this is, is uh, the most important one, is because we have been forgiven. See, C.S. Lewis also said this, pretty good quote. He said, everyone thinks forgiveness is a lovely idea until he has something to forgive. Everybody thinks forgiveness is a lovely idea until he has something to forgive. Like, like what's he mean by that? He, he means this. He's talking about how we as Christians, man, we, we uh, eagerly accept the forgiveness of God for ourselves, but yet how often do we struggle to give it to others? Like, how often do we want mercy for ourselves, but judgment for them? And how often do we want to be let off the hook while we just sit back and watch them suffer? Right? We want them to fail. We want stuff to blow up in their face. We want things not to work for them. Why? Because we're angry. Yeah. Listen, because I know this is our natural tendency. I want, to, I want to show you a verse. Once again, we forgive because we've been forgiven. Watch what Paul said in Ephesians 4. He said, get rid of all bitterness, all rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of, what kind of behavior? Evil behavior. What's he saying? He's saying, man, when we act out of bitterness, when we act in rage and anger, we throw out harsh words, we slander folks, man, that's evil. That comes from below, it doesn't come from above. But watch what he says in verse 32. Instead, in other words, instead of being that way, here's the way you need to be. Be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, How do we forgive one another? Just as God through Christ has forgiven you. How many of you guys know that just, man, that that upped the ante greatly. Just as Christ has forgiven you. There's two things I want to see here. The first one is this, is how when you and I um, refuse to forgive people but readily accept it ourselves, man, I want you to know that that's a violation of grace. 
See, Jesus told you and I, he said, freely you have received, so freely you need to give. And so when, when we readily take it in, because we all do, and then we are hesitant about giving it out, that's a violation of grace. Second thing I want to see is because there's a danger attached to this for us as Christians. See, we, we know that the Bible says when we hold on to things, uh, that we actually cut ourselves off from God's forgiveness. I'm going to read a verse, Jesus talking, and, I, and I've met some, some people who, who try to be too smart for this verse. I'll just say it like it is. They try to be too smart for the verse, and they try to explain that this isn't what Jesus meant. The only problem is, is, is I don't know about you, but I'm the kind of guy that I'm pretty simple, and I, and I just read the Bible for what it says. And I believe that Jesus said what he meant, and he meant what he said. And so that's the way I read the word, right? I don't get all caught up in all these things. I'm just like, yep, that's what he said. Let's go with it. So watch what Jesus said. He said, if you forgive those who sinned against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. Praise the Lord. We could all leave right now. But he's not done. He says, but if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not, let those two words sink in, will not forgive your sins. That's sobering. Like, I, I don't know about you, but, but when it comes to all this stuff we're talking about, like, that's all the motivation I need. Right? Because maybe, maybe I'm not like you. I haven't reached a level of holiness. Third heaven, where, where I don't mess up and I don't, and I don't need forgiveness. Y'all, I'm not there yet. I mess up all the time. I need forgiveness. Amen? So I, I just think this, if I can maybe put it in a really plain way, because this is where the rubber meets the road for me. If I have to choose in between feelings of bitterness that come with unforgiveness or the feelings of peace that come with forgiving, then I think I'm going to choose peace every time. Like for me, and y'all have heard me say it before, like I value peace. I don't like being sideways with people. I don't like offending people. I don't like hurting people. And I definitely don't like getting offended. And, and so I will do whatever it takes to not live in that spot. Amen. Here's the main takeaway I want us to see from these three points. Is I want to see that, yes, of how forgiveness is more for us than it is for others. Like, I want us to see that when we choose to forgive, it's, it's good for us, right? But I also want us, want us to see that forgiveness has more to do with our future than it does our past. See, it's another side of deception of the devil. He tries to get you so focused on your past that you never see your future, right? And, and so when we look at, at really what forgiveness does is, is it actually frees us from our past, so that we can pursue the purposes of God for our lives in an unhindered way. And the only way I know how to describe that is this. It's like, um, you know, I've heard the analogy, you know, if you think about being on a playground and, and thinking about monkey bars. Like, if you want to move forward on the monkey bar, what do you got to do? You got to let go your hand of one bar so you can reach for the other one. And all I'm saying is, if we want to move forward in Jesus, we got to learn to let go. All right, now let's shift gears and we'll land this. Let's talk about what forgiveness is. What forgiveness is. We talked about what it's not. We talked about why we need to do it. And let's talk about what it is. Biblically speaking, it means this. It means to give up resentment. Get that. Those feelings that you've been carrying, to give that up. 
to give up resentment against someone or to give up the desire to punish them, to stop being angry with, and to pardon. Now, let's make this a little bit more personal. Let's go back to what Paul said, Ephesians 4. Remember, he said, instead, he said, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. Once again, notice the last words, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. What is Paul saying there? He, he is saying that when Jesus hung on that cross, he already defined what forgiveness looks like. He already gave you an example. He already showed you how, right? And now what does he do? He expects us to do the same. So the question is, is, is have we ever stopped long enough to consider how he forgave us? And what I want to do quickly, and I've told you this before, but... If, if you can, think about for a moment how you behave when someone's offended you. Okay? Now think about how God acts towards you. Okay? So, so in my mind, because I know how we are, um, once again, I'm trying to take how we normally act and I'm trying to put it on God to show you how ludicrous it is. <laughs> Right? So think about this. When we blow it, you know, does, does Jesus start walking around heaven reminding all the angels of how badly we hurt him when we nailed him to the cross because of our sin? Does he get on Facebook and let everybody know? Encryption, right? We're not naming names, but somebody that lives at this house in this city, da-da-da-da, right? Like, 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 does he tell, you know, basically everybody all the bad things that he doesn't like about us? Is he still mad at us? Is he still hanging our sin and our mistake over our heads? Is he still waiting to get revenge, waiting to make his pay? Is he just like, man, I'm going to do my best to make him suffer? The answer is no. Y'all get quiet. The answer is no. He doesn't do that. But, but, but think about, once again, in light, how we behave. <laughs> Help us, Lord. Right? See, this is why the Bible, when it talks about God's forgiveness, that, that He chose to separate our sins from us as far as from the east from the west. That's why He says He's thrown our sin into the sea of forgetfulness. That's why if we've blown it, you know, it's not really about forgiving ourselves much as receiving His forgiveness. That's what breaks guilt. That's what breaks shame. Right? It's understanding what He has done for you. And so, knowing that He's done that for you, once again, now He expects us to extend that same type of forgiveness and same type of love to others. And the best way I know how to say it is this. The, the verse that means so much to me on the subject is 1 Corinthians 13, where it says, Love keeps no record of wrongs. That's where I found freedom. In that verse, love keeps no record of wrong. That's what true forgiveness looks like to me. And here's why I say that, and I've told you before. It's like when so-and-so's name comes up, go ahead and pick a name, person that's hurt you before. It's like automatically do you, do you go and you pull the file cabinet out and grab the file, boom, and here's all the things that they've done to offend you. And now, of course, you got to tell everybody, you know, back in October 1968, Right? That's what it looks like when, we're not, when we haven't forgiven people, man. We, we want to list out all the infractions that they've done against us. But what happens is, is when you know that you've truly forgiven someone, here's what happens in your heart. It's what I've learned. is that when their name comes up, instead of going there, you just do this internally. Father, I, I give them to you. I put them in your hands. 
God, you are the judge and you judge rightly. And so, Lord, even as judge, I'm asking you in the name of Jesus to show them mercy. And, Lord, I'm asking you to bless them. Now, why am I asking him to do that? Because that's what he's done to me. Right? So the only way that I've ever been able to find freedom in this is to bring it up before God. Here's how it makes me feel. Not everybody else, but here's it is to God. And then I start praying as if I would pray for myself. Am I making sense? Okay, that's the only way that I've ever been able to learn that, that it's by that act of forgiveness, man, that, that anger and bitterness begin to dissipate from my heart, right? So, so all I'm saying is, man, is like, let's choose to forgive. Notice when Jesus was on the cross, he made a choice to forgive us. So in turn, what do we do with those other people? We just got to make a choice. Amen? All right, so let me end with this. A few days ago, I was, I was basically working on the message, and I, I realized how much people tend to look at pastors, and they view them basically uh, through the lens of who they are now, right? Not realizing that this isn't who we've always been. Like, this isn't who we've always been, right? And because of this, I understand that some of you may be sitting here today just going, okay, well, that's just another message that he's preaching. Uh, you know, he's never had an issue with that. And I want you to know that that, that couldn't be further from the truth, right? So in light of that, what I want to do is I want to, I want to actually end the message by reading something that, that I don't, to my knowledge, that I've never shared public before until today, okay? And, and this is what it is. Um, as a reminder of what God's done in my life, I, I keep a short handwritten letter on my desk that I received when I was 19 years old. So for 26 years, I've, I've kept this letter handy, okay? And the letter was given to me by uh, the pastor who led the Bible school that I went to after I got saved. And when, when I graduated from the program in my second year, uh, at our graduation, he wrote me a letter as a gift, Okay. And, and like I said, for 26 years, I've kept that, that single letter as a reminder of what God has done. And this morning as I've read it, man, I've, I've cried. I even snorted last service. Y'all know how embarrassing that was? <laughs> Lord, help me. Um, but it's not tears of sorrow. It's tears of gratefulness of what God has done. Because it made me think back to the, the day that I said yes to Jesus you know, remembering how broken I was and then seeing who I am today, man, I'm just so grateful. Right? Here's what he wrote. Once again, short letter. He said, Quentin, Isaiah 55, 13 speaks of you. You had every reason in the world to become a bitter, resentful, and selfish young man raging against the world. Your circumstances promised that in you. But the Redeemer walked into your life where there was bitterness and resentment. He placed gratitude. Where there was selfish rage, He placed a holy fire in your spirit. Quentin, your faithfulness to God has made you an everlasting sign that will not be destroyed. Your life is a promise of what God's grace can do. And I see you touching life after life after life. And he said, you deserve your diploma in leadership training no one has a better heart than you. Believe me, I'm very proud of you and love you with all my heart, Pastor Mark Sims. 
the purpose I'm reading that letter to you is, is I'm just trying to assure you today, man, that this isn't another message for me. It's not just another message. This is, this is a truth I wish I had about four hours. Because what happened in my life is, is I had to realize where I was at and I had a choice to make, right? And that was this, to simply go in a hole and become just like the people around me that I grew up with or I had to go, okay, Jesus has something better for me. Let me go find out what that is. And, and so, like, I can't stress you enough. Like, I'm only standing up here today because I made a decision 26 years ago to no longer allow all that hurt and all that anger and all that resentment to define my life. Right? Like, I've made the decision to forgive my family and forgive the people that rejected me, forgive the people that hurt me, and to forgive them, and to forgive them, and to forgive them, and to forgive them, and to keep on forgiving them so that I could ultimately be defined by God's love and grace instead of all that mess, right? And so, like, even today, I realize, man, I'm still rough around the edges, but, man, y'all have no clue where I've come from, right? And I'm grateful for that. Now, now has, has it always been easy no, right? Did, did I always want to forgive those people? No, there was plenty of times where I was just like, Lord, just let me punch somebody in the face. Right? Isn't it amazing how you can love someone so deeply, but yet be so hurt by them? And the reason is because you open up your heart so wide, and then when they hurt you in that, yeah. I mean, like for me, that is the answer. I'm going to hit you in the mouth. We've gotten better. Amen. But here's the truth, guys. It's been in those really dark places because how many of you guys know when you serve Jesus, he doesn't let you hit anybody in the mouth? So, so you can't run around and talk about it. You can't bring everybody else into it. I was smart enough to know that. Um, but, but what happened was is I just willing to go those really dark places with Jesus and say, Lord, I need you. And what I would do in those moments, I would choose. Like, don't miss that. It was a choice. I would choose to forgive them by faith. I would actually say, Father, I am choosing today to forgive, fill in the blank, so-and-so for what they did. And what would happen is, is every time I would do that, I'm telling you, 26 years, it's been a process. Guess what? God's grace would meet me there. And then over time, the feelings of forgiveness would come. See, so often where we, where we blow it is we think forgiveness has to be a feeling, and it's not a feeling, it's a choice. And once again, if I, can, if I can pray hard enough and long enough and say, Jesus, you know, basically uh, what I do instead of God get them, I just say, God bless them, right? Jesus, I pray that you would speak to them, open their eyes, open their ears. God, bless their family, bless their business. God, bless it, right? I start praying for them like I'd want somebody to pray for me. There's this divine exchange that happens that all my anger and all my bitterness and all that grudge begins to dissolve. It kind of goes away, and I begin to feel love and empathy and compassion for that person. And there's times, man, where people have hurt me so deeply. I Literally, I've got such the heart of God for them at the end of the day. I'd let, something, you know, I'd let a truck run over me for them just because I love them. And that wasn't me. That's Jesus. Right? Amen. Can y'all stand to your feet? I hope this makes sense to you today. If you can, just close your eyes. I want you to think about what I'm going to say, and I don't want you to be distracted. Here's the key that I want you to give. Once again, all eyes closed. Here's the key. Through my process, I think one thing that helped me be successful and get to where I'm at today 
is because I never tried to hide my pain or my disappointment from God. See, I, I've met so many Christians who act like they have a reputation to uphold or they got to look spiritual enough or whatever, and they don't ever really get not only honest with other people, they don't ever get honest with God. But, but I've always been honest with Him, yes, because I value authenticity, but also because I knew that the only way I could get free was by being honest. And so today, like, I don't know if you're holding on to something or not. I really don't know. My, pray- my prayer has been simply this this morning for you. Is God, I'm asking you that when we get to this moment, that you would show them faces and you would bring up names and you would show them people that, that they need to release, that they need to forgive, that they need to put in your hands. And so, once again, I don't know what that is. We'll pray and take a moment here in a second and ask God to speak to us. But, but I just want you to know, man, like I, I've done my best to show you what forgiveness isn't. And I've tried to show you why we should do it and ultimately what it is. Now it's up to you to choose, not just for today, but the goal would be that you would choose to greet every day with a forgiving heart. And so if we can, man, let's make a decision internally. Let the past be the past so we can move in the future. And to do so, we decide that we're going to have a forgiving heart. Pastor Quentin said something that is really important and that is that forgiveness is not a feeling and that you forgive in faith. And so right now, as we invite the Holy Spirit and the Lord into this room to work, Lord, you're welcome here. Holy Spirit, you're welcome in this place. Would you bring those names? Would you bring the pictures of the faces to everyone? And Lord, that we would choose in faith today, Father, knowing that we've heard your message and that you are very clear about forgiveness and the freedom that it brings us, Lord Jesus. And so we all want to walk in that freedom. And so right now we choose, Lord, to forgive, Father, and we choose to bless, Lord, and we do it in faith right now, Lord Jesus. Thank you for meeting us here today. And thank you for continuing to help us walk this faith out every day. Help us to choose forgiveness every day over and over again, Lord, that we would be bathed in your presence, that we would walk forward in freedom. And so we receive this today in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram for encouragement in your walk with God and to receive updates on events happening at The Anchor. Have a great week and God bless.